Today, I've got a topic uh, that I'd like to talk to you about. Uh, why don't you turn to Ephesians uh, while you've got your Bibles. Um, story that I've told, it's one of my favorite stories. It's a story of an old logging town. And uh, uh, it was up kind of in, you know, uh, one of those towns, it was mostly loggers, and they lived upriver, so they would log, and then they would slide the logs down into the river, and then they'd float the logs down the river. And there were little towns sprinkled up on this river where all the logs would float down. The Willamette used to have tons of logs, by the way, back in the day, um, when logging wasn't murdering our brethren, the trees. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but this one particular logging town, um, this, this, this the little church there, everybody went to church. It was just kind of this picture-perfect little town. Uh, but there was a new pastor who came into town, a young guy. And he was thinking, man, this, what a, this is a perfect town. Everybody's so nice, man. I don't, what do I even teach on? What do I even preach on? But one, one afternoon, he saw some of the loggers in the river there. And they, they were pulling logs that were floating down the river. They were pulling them out. And they were cutting off the ends, just, just like the last, you know, a couple inches of each log, cutting off the ends of each log. Uh, and the, the pastor was like, what are they doing? Why are they shaving off the end of each log? Um, and then he realized they'd do that and they'd stick their, they'd brand the end of each log with their brand. And, um, and so he, he did some research and he realized what was going on. It was horrible. The people of the town were taking the logs from the towns that were doing the work upriver and they'd put their brand on the end of the log. They would cut off the end of the log, stick their brand on and get the credit for the logs and get the cash for the logs. They were ripping people off. And so, man, he prepared a sermon that Sunday about, you know, honesty and integrity and, and uh, you know, and, and just really put his heart and soul into it. And he preached his heart out on honesty and, and, and you know, in business and integrity. And she shared the scriptures. Well, after the service, man, the townspeople were just, just happy, tears flowing, shaking his hand afterward, walking out of the church. Oh, that was a powerful sermon, Pastor, powerful. And, um, and, uh, and he thought, oh, good, it got through. But then the next day, that Monday, sure enough, cutting off the ends of the logs, branding, and he thought, oh no. So the next Sunday, he preached the exact same sermon on integrity and honesty and, and, and really, and the people kind of came out saying, oh, that was a good sermon again. Yeah, that was great. Uh, and then he thought, but maybe this time it'll get through. Well, that next Monday, they were cutting off the ends of the logs again and branding the ends of the logs. So the next Sunday, he taught this sermon. Thou shalt not cut thy neighbor's logs ends off. <laughs> and the people were offended and all walked out of the room. <laughs> they left. You see, the point is, as a pastor, you do sometimes feel that. Brett, you never talk about abuse. Brett, you never talk about anger. Uh, I'll hear that from time to time, especially from the ladies. And I understand um, in some ways why they think that. But the truth is, I've spent a lot of time, just even in Ironworks here, haven't I, talking about husbands, love your wives. How much have we spent time talking about being gentle with your wives, talking with a voice that's calm? Have you guys heard me talk about that? Raise your hand. Yeah, okay. If you didn't, you weren't listening. <laughs> well, this sermon today is the thou shalt not cut your neighbor's logs ends off. That's the sermon I'm going to give today, okay? Because I can talk about the flowery petunias all day long. But there's still a lot of guys who are going to go home and think that they're loving their wives, doing exactly what Brett told them to do, and what the Word of God, more importantly, told, told us to do. But at the same time, somehow, we're not getting it. We don't get it. 
Um, the statistics, by the way, on, um, you know, this, this idea of abuse and what have you and anger in marriage, is, it's, it's kind of painful, in fact. Let me read to you just a few things. Uh, every nine seconds in the United States, a woman is assaulted or beaten. Every nine seconds. Around the world, at least one in every three women have been beaten, coerced into sex, or otherwise abused during her lifetime. Most often, the abuser is a member of her own family. Did you hear that? One in every three. And by the way, these statistics, maybe it's my own little world of counseling and talking with people, but one of the things you have to understand is um, I think these numbers are hard to be accurate anyway because so many people never come forward and talk about it. Uh, by the way, um, uh, the other direction where wives are beating their husbands, that's another statistic that's kind of alarming, and that's one that I think is probably reported even less in some ways because what guy's going to do? My wife beats me. I mean, that, that, a lot of guys aren't really one to talk about that. Um, there's all kinds of things. That I, I think statistics are a little tricky because um, we had a guy show up to a family camp once uh, with a tooth broken out, and he told me he fell, but actually his wife punched him in the mouth. Uh, and I heard that later. And so, the, you know, it can, it can go both ways, but, but most of the time it doesn't. Most of the time it's like these statistics. One in every three women beaten or coerced into sex by, uh, during her lifetime, by, often by a family member. Domestic violence is the leading cause of injury to women, more than car accidents, muggings, rapes, all of that. What's that? Did you hear that? The, the, the thing that injures women the most in this world, in the United States especially, is domestic violence. Studies suggest that up to 10 million children witness some form of do domestic violence annually. Nearly one in five teenage girls have been in a relationship with a boyfriend who threatened violence or self-harm if presented with a breakup. Every day in the United States, more than three women are murdered by their husbands or boyfriends. Nine, this is, a, this is a, a, a shocking one for me. 92% of women surveyed listed reducing domestic violence and sexual assault as their top concern. Uh, 92%, that means pretty much almost all of women, their greatest, deepest concern is uh, domestic violence, and uh, that's what their greatest fear really is. Um, domestic violence victims lose nearly 8 million days of paid work per year in the United States alone, the equivalent of 32,000 full-time jobs. Based on reports from 10 different countries, between 55 and 95% of women who have been physically abused by their partners have never contacted a non-governmental organization like a counselor or a church uh, shelter or the police. They've not, uh, 55 to 95% in 10 different countries say they never report those things. <clears throat> the cost of, of um, intimate partner violence, as they call it, in the United States alone is $5.8 billion per year. Uh, $4.1 billion are direct medical and healthcare services because of domestic violence. Men who as children witness their parents' domestic violence were twice as likely to abuse their own wives than sons of nonviolent parents. Um, these are the statistics of our culture and of our world, and it's one of those topics that I do in some ways feel like um, it, it's, it's not really being talked about by the right people. Uh, let me give you a kind of a break from this for a second. Let's talk about Islam, something we can easily kind of... Okay, radical jihadists. One of the biggest complaints that most people have is... 
where is the peaceful, you know, majority of the Muslims? You know, if, Muslim, if Islam, as our president even said again recently, that peace-loving religion, you know, he's going on this trip here next week to, uh, you know, visit Saudi Arabia, Jer Jerusalem, and then the Vatican, representing the three, as he said, the great religions and all this stuff. And, and you know, more power to him on his journey. But it's interesting because one of our biggest complaints is, you know, why don't the imams that are in, in, the, in the mosques and what have you speak out more boldly against, uh, you know, Islamic jihadists or fundamentalist Muslims? Um, there, there are, you know, hundreds of millions of fundamentalist Muslims in the world, um, if you do the math. And that's the concern, you know, co conservatively, there's, there's close to 300 million jihadists that want to kill the infidels, you know, through bombing or violence or whatever. Uh, and so there is, there is a lot. There's hundreds and hundreds of millions of so-called peace-loving Muslims. But where are they? You know, they're, they're very, very silent or, or they're very, very afraid uh, to talk about it because it puts them in a bad spot. But what does that have to do with anger? And what does that have to do with, you know, domestic violence and women who are in fear for their lives? It's, it's, it's because... I believe that the wrong group, you know, women trying to express their hearts about the problem with domestic violence is the wrong group that needs to be talking about it. I really think largely the men, we should be leading the charge, leading the way when it comes to dealing with the issue of, of, of abuse and anger and our anger being put as men upon women. <clears throat> because the truth is, uh, most men have no idea how it feels to be sort of in that position. It's one of the things I always kind of marvel at, um, how, um, how we as men just haven't even really thought it through largely that, you know, as guys, we can get each other's grill. We can get each other's face. And it's, you know, mano a mano. It's, it's, like, uh, it's like we're not super intimidated to get in each other's grill. And if it goes, you know, to, to, to punching each other's face in, uh, we can do that. That's something we do. And we're okay with that largely. But most of you, most of us, we've never been in that situation where you are totally vulnerable, where you're in a place where you really, there's no physical answer back to the, the strength and the power of the person standing in front of you. A lot of us have no idea what that feels like. And so what happens then is men, we, 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 the way we talk to our wives, we have no idea. It's not just that, you know, well, Brett, I've never laid a hand on my wife. What's interesting, by the way, is um, the wounds of, of emotional, there's all kinds of terms I'm really uncomfortable with oftentimes, but uh, I'm going to use them today just because I think we'll all know what I'm talking about. But it's, it's amazing to me how uh, I used to think, well, physical abuse is kind of the main problem. And I'd always hear women talk about emotional abuse or verbal abuse. And, and, and then I would sort of think they're trying to put physical abuse and emotional abuse on the same plane. And I would always say, mm, no, nah, I don't know if they're on the same plane. Now, as a man, that's the way I think. Because you can, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but your words, I could care less what you say about me. Uh, you know, you could talk mean to me because I still know I can take you. You know what I mean? By the way, you know, 400 pounds, that's, hard, that's an advantage. I'm just going to tell you right now, it is. Uh, I just got to lean into it, man, and you're, you're already in big trouble. It's, it's tough. Uh, it's kind of a fun thing. But be that as it may, a couple touchdowns this year at the Turkey Bowl, I might remind some of you guys, just lean into it. Uh, it's great. Um, 
actually, I, pa- I, I threw a touchdown pass this year. Thanks to Kaipo. He gave, he said, Brett, you're going to pass the ball. I said, no, I'm not. And he said, yes, you are. And so I just, I, I was the QB and, and I just kind of closed my eyes and threw it and, and uh, Kaipo caught it. It was great. Touchdown pass. Uh, so it's the only time I've thrown a pass in all my years of playing football. And I, it's a, it was a touchdown pass. So just want to add that to my repertoire. It's even on YouTube if you want to look at it, but uh, <laughs> not slow motion, sadly. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, I'm not afraid, and, and most men are not afraid. The whole verbal abuse thing means very little to us because uh, there's a physical level, l- number two. There's a, there's, a, there's a next step that's there, and, and a guy's not going to go there unless he's really willing to go there. And a lot of times that's kind of the where, where we live. Some guys, we almost thrive in that environment. Some of you guys are more comfortable in that environment, getting in somebody's grill, and even if it's going to go into some physical altercation, some of you guys live better in that mode than you do than trying to be all peaceful and kind. So, so, so then you add the element of, of a woman who's in a whole different place. Um, emotionally, physically, uh, there's, a, there's a gap in our understanding, I think, largely as men. And that's why I've been imploring, begging, talking to you guys for years, all of us, uh, and, and, and I've been told for years by my pastors and my parents, uh, man, you've got to be gentle. Uh, that's why the Bible, we, we've spent whole times talking about how the husbands are to dwell with their wives, you know, as the weaker vessel. Um, not that she's inferior, but she's just built differently than you are. And you're to give honor to the wife, the Bible says, in that same verse as giving honor to the weaker vessel. And we've talked about that, the root mug, the wine glass. The wine glass is the weaker vessel, but it's the more important vessel than a root beer mug. Uh, you can slam the root beer mug around and it's not gonna break. But the, the fine wine glass is a weaker vessel, but it's one that we need to put in the right place. And it's a place of honor. So the, the nice language I've been saying all these years is, man, guys, love your wives, be kind, gentle, speak with soft words, change the tone of your voice when you get home. Don't talk like, like you do to your guys at work. Don't talk to your wife like the same way you do on the construction site. You can't do that. And, and um, you say, well, Brett, my wife, she does this and she does that. And she, well, are you saying then that she deserves to be treated badly because of her behavior? Uh, man, I'm so glad the Lord doesn't do that for us. I'm glad the Lord doesn't treat us the way we deserve to be treated. But the Bible says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. So your argument is totally null and void if you think just because your wife's not perfect or because she's mean to you or or does silly things or whatever, you've built your case. There's never a case ever that will legitimize ill treatment of your wife, ever. That's just the truth. I'm telling you the truth right now. And so with all these statistics and all this information, the, the odds are there's trouble even here at Athey Creek. That's the hard part for me sometimes. I, I know all you guys, a lot of you guys, and I talk to you and I think, eh, there's nothing going on here, but I'm always shocked and, and saddened to hear of stories. And the truth is I know there's probably things we don't even know about, lots of things probably that we don't even know about. So, so what, what we need to do today is be challenged both personally, guys, all of us, but also corporately as a congregation for us to look out for one another as brothers and make sure that we're just being on, on the level, man, and make sure that your brothers and your friends, the guys you know, are, are, are treating their wives with kindness and care and concern um, because there's no room for that. There's no room for that. 
Um, it's interesting because Athey Creek, um, we get, sometimes we get a bad rap for things that aren't really legit. Um, there's a, if you look on Facebook, there's a, you know, on Facebook, there's a, I guess there's a thing you can rate. Our church has a Facebook thing, and there's a thing where you can rate the church. It's really goofy, but you can't take it off. It's like there. And if somebody says something, you have to leave it on. And uh, there's a lot of nice things, but there's this one thing that was put up there a few years ago, and it's a sad situation. There was a lady who um, I was counseling her and her husband, and it was a bad situation. But on the Facebook entry, she gave the church one star, and she said this. She said, Pastor Brett, I can't believe he still teaches that adultery is the only ground for divorce. By the way, does anybody know why I teach that? It's the Bible. (laughs) Yeah, it's not me. It's not me. Uh, (laughs) Blame God on that one. If I wrote the Bible, I would have put abuse on there too. But uh, God didn't do that. Now, um, then she went on to say, and so she she, she, she writes here, so Pastor Brett told me that if I would just... Uh, uh, submit to my husband, he wouldn't have to abuse me. So go home and submit. That's what she said I said. I have never in my life said that, ever. Uh, and, and yet it's there on Facebook. Now, that, along with the teaching that adultery is the only grounds for divorce, there's this kind of reputation that eighth Greek has that, man, if you're being abused, that you have to just stay and take it. Uh, and I want to say, uh, officially on the record, that has never been the uh, posture at Athey Creek. While divorce is the only thing the Bible gives us for legitimate divorce is adultery, um, uh, I still believe if there's abuse going on, you need to get the woman out of the house. You need to put her in a place of safety and protection. That guy's got to get some help. Before we would ever have or even ask that woman to go back to her home, we'd make sure that the guy is squared away and that he's not going to be uh, wounding her or hurting her or abusing her in any way, shape, or form. That's been the posture at Athey Creek, and it always has been. Uh, I say that because I need your guys' help to make sure that that narrative is the, the one that people are getting, because there's, there's rumors. I, it bounces back to me from time to time. The, the, the pastors at Athey Creek will just tell a woman if she's being abused, just go home and submit to your husband. Never have we said that. Uh, we would never say that. My pastors have never said that. I'm just going on record right now again. Well, Brett, I've heard you teach. Show me the teaching. This is the funny thing. People always say, I heard you say this. Uh, and I say, well, show me the teaching where you know, it's all online. It's all free. Download. Because I've never said anything other than that. That's kind of important to know. Okay, Brett, got it. We were going to talk about anger. Uh, well, I'm, I'm still a little angry because they ran out of bacon by the time I got to the back. Uh, <laughs> I'm serious. Um, so I'm still kind of taking my uh, steps to... Uh, Let's, let's look. I got a ton of Scripture, and the reason I got a ton of Scripture is because I'd like you guys to jot down these uh, Scriptures, because, you know, um, knowing Scriptures about the things that we wrestle with is really key, because the Bible teaches um, that um, it's the Word of God, um, how shall a young man cleanse his way? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Remember when Jesus was tempted to sin by Satan? Every single time that temptation was thrown at him, he had a scripture that he spoke with his mouth. Um, It's the sword of the Spirit. It's the weapon that we have, the weapon of our word. We've talked about this whole sessions about this. So that's why I'd like to give you a ton of scripture because especially if you wrestle with anger or if you know a guy who wrestles with anger, you can give him these scriptures and you can share these verses. And maybe some of you guys should memorize some of these scriptures so that when you're tempted to be angry, you have some ammo. Uh, scripture ammo 
where you start speaking out the Word of God, which is living and powerful. There's power in God's Word. So I'm going to give you uh, some scriptures. Um, for, let's just kind of start with a couple here. Ephesians chapter 4, there in verse 31. Here, Paul the Apostle gives that most famous admonition. He says in Ephesians 4, 31, let all bitterness, now pause for a second. Do you know what bitterness is? Um, it's an interesting word, but when you really get to it and study it, one of the things bitterness is, it's just anger that goes on for a long time. Um, you know, you might be raging about something, and then the rage settles down, but if you still stay, stay in that place of anger and unforgiveness toward the person you're angry against, that anger then turns into bitterness. So bitterness is sort of the long-term fruit of anger, okay? Are you guys with me on that? <clears throat> so he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking, that's just anything that's vile that comes out of your mouth. Let, it says, let all that stuff be put away from you with all malice. <clears throat> and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Um, one of the things that we need to understand is the Bible says you can put this stuff away. Let it be put away from you. Um, the reason I say that is because depending on who you talk to, there are some people who are hesitant to say that you can't really just put away anger. Um, I always like it when people um, try to say the Bible's wrong. But the truth is the Bible teaches right here that you can put away anger. So that's one of the goals I think we have today is to say, man, the anger that we have. Now, by the way, let me, let me say this before we get too far. Um, is, is anger sin? It's quite a mixed bag here. Um, the answer is no. Why? I'll tell you why because God gets angry, and God cannot sin. It says, the anger of the Lord was kindled against, you know, fill in the blank. Um, and and uh, Jesus was very angry, wouldn't you agree, when he made a scourge of small cords and starts tearing up the temple? Um, um, the, the thing is, there's a good anger and there's a bad anger. There's a righteous anger, and then there's an ugly, sinful anger. So, so um, the Bible even, there's a scripture we'll cover today, be angry, it says, and sin not. In other words, there is an anger that you can have. So, um, I believe God gave us anger for a purpose. Do you know it's actually a God-given part of human nature? Um, because, um, you know, in this world where I think where we're built as men to be protective, there's, there's, I think, a part of us that is a healthy anger that stirs up uh, an indignation within us that causes us to change the situation. If we didn't have that emotion of, of righteous anger, we might just sit around and let a bunch of horrible things happen around us and not do anything about it. Um, so there is a place for anger, but, but uh, uh, there, there's, it's where ang anger gives way to sin. And that, that, uh, that's an important thing for you to understand is when does your anger become sin? It shifts gears somewhere in there, and, and, uh, and many of you know what that means. Uh, we'll talk about the, the signs of what that is in a second. What are the signs you've shifted from a holy, righteous anger to an ugly, sinful, horrible anger? Uh, usually it has something to do with your blood pressure, the color of your face, um, the clenching of your fists. There's all kinds of indicators that tells you that, man, you're kind of passing the level. Uh, but <clears throat> the reason I say that is uh, I don't want to say all anger is evil. There, there are biblical examples of holy, righteous anger. 
Um, but we're talking about, for today's purposes, sinful anger, when, when anger turns into sin. And that's the one that Paul's talking about here. Let all anger and bitterness and wrath be put away with you, put away from you. And then it says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Uh, since we're in this neighborhood, turn to Colossians chapter 3. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. It's right after Philippians. Colossians chapter 3. So you can put away anger, we learn, but you can also put it off. <laughs> it's Colossians 3 verse 8. He says there in Colossians 3, 8, it says, But now you also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Um, while we're here in this Colossians 3, there's another one here that I want to show you so that when we talk about it, you know where it is. It's Colossians 3, 21. It says there, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Fathers provoking their children anger. We'll talk about that a little, little bit later. So um, this idea of the Bible teaching that anger can be put off, uh, Ephesians chapter 31, or uh, put away, and then it can also be put off from you. Um, it's almost like a piece of clothing that you can put off. Uh, the Bible sort of talks about sin that way. You put off the works of darkness and put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the, the idea of uh, what you're wearing, uh, the ideas uh, emotionally or or uh, physically, the way you're acting. Uh, it's like clothing. Now, there's a few things I want you to jot down here of things to do, because um, when, when you are angry, when you do these acts of rage, um, how do we deal with that as Christian men? You know, there's all kinds of psychology, and I've studied some of the psychology about anger and what, what the world says about how to deal with your anger, and there's some truths, and by the way, there's always some truths in, in psychology, but also the Bible, I think, gives us everything we need to know uh, as well. I'm not with those guys. The Bible's not enough. We, ha we need to study more this or that. I like to use the Bible first, and then if it happens to affirm all the other things that somebody else is saying, great, but I, I pretty much like sticking with the Word of God. So I'm going to give you some thoughts about this, and, and, um, and the first thing is uh, you need to know, are you an angry man? Are you an angry man? You have to ask yourself that, uh, and, and uh, try to have a moment of great um, honesty to, with yourself right now. Um, uh, do you, do you, you know, here's, here's a few questions. Do you speak roughly with your children? Do you, do you speak roughly with your wife? Um, are there times where just because your mood is off, you start kind of being sort of the jerk around the house? Um, you have to ask yourself, am I uh, easily angered when I'm driving down the highway <laughs> and somebody cuts me off? Um, <clears throat> that's a true test of a man's uh, fortitude. Uh, when you're driving around and somebody's doing something stupid on the highway, you're like, ah, and road rage. Are you a road rager? <clears throat> that's a good indication that you've got a problem with your anger, um, uh, you know, and and at work or whatever, when, you know, your blood pressure rising and uh, all kinds of trouble. You have to ask yourself, am, am I one who uh, regrets, you know, letting them have it sometime, where you, where you speak your mind and then you're kind of like embarrassed later? <laughs> Man, I remember one time, there's, there's been a few, few times in my life, uh, fortunately I'm not a, a general rager, but I've got enough history to make me know that, man, I gotta be really careful. 
Um, you know, I used to do jail ministry, and, and it always struck me how there's a fine line between me and the dude that was sitting in jail. I'd be sitting across the table, and it just seemed like a really nice, normal dude talking to him, like, what'd you do? And, and sure enough, he had some fit of rage and did something really bad and got in trouble, and he got caught. And I realized, you know, man, we're all just, just a hair away from some stupid thing like that that could put you in jail even. Um, Brad, are you really that bad? I remember uh, probably one of the worst things where I was really out of control, and I'm really glad I had some buddies there to sort of kind of pull me off. Uh, <laughs> it was when we were, I had a youth group of all things. I had a youth group of, of uh, you know, fifth, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade kids, probably 100 kids. We went up to Diamond Lake, the inner tube run up there. And, you know, you hook onto this little rope toe, and it t- tows your tube up, and then you go down, and it's just a really fun thing. Well, the guy that was controlling the rope toe thing thought he was God incarnate. And he was treating all the children, they're just wanting to have fun, uh, sweet little kids, he was treating them horribly all day long. I was listening to this guy yelling, and, you know, just, just the guy was just, he was one of those guys, you know when they just rub you so the wrong way? And then every time he opened his mouth, I would get just that much more angry. And, um, and it was really hard for me to, to not just lay into the guy just in a normal situation. Well, then uh, there was this one girl, and, and um, <laughs> uh, Ross, you know who this one is, uh, but uh, her name was Ariel. Uh, you know her parents over there in Hawaii. And she, uh, she was absolutely the sweetest, kindest, nicest, cutest little kid that I've ever seen. Uh, Ariel was, and she was just like godly, prayed all the time, you know, like the most perfect child I could ever imagine on the planet. And, um, and so we were just doing our thing. Well, this Diamond, uh, Diamond Lake ski lift operator starts screaming, raging at Ariel because she was too close to another person on the inner tube run. There were two people tubing, and I think their tubes sort of bumped into each other as they were coming down. And he just started raging into Ariel. And I'm just going to confess right now before my brother's here, I snapped. I snapped. I literally was going to tear the guy's head off. I really was. Uh, and, um, and, I, and, and here all my youth group kids were standing there. You know, I was, I was nice Pastor Brett. You know, I was the jolly guy hanging out with all the kids. But I really was. Unfortunately, Tad and a few other guys pulled me kind of back and, and uh, said, Brett, you need to go, go, go sit in the bus. Just go sit in the bus. And, uh, um, and man, I... But I remember the, the feeling that I had, it was just ultimate shame because I, I, was, I, I really, I was, I was this close to the guy's nose and I was just an inch away from just taking him out. I really was. And, um, and that's when they all pulled me off and it was great. I went and calmed down, had my little time out. <laughs> um, but that, just that alone, and there's been a couple times like that in my life, maybe, maybe three, where I realize, oh, Lord forbid that I lose it like that, on something stupid, um, you know, and, and get in, into real trouble. And, and see, the problem is, I, I'm kind of thankful for those moments that have happened to me like that, because it helps me, I think, a little bit more understand um, what a guy goes through when he's out of control. Um, and and I, I'm not saying I'm being sympathetic toward that, but I'm saying that uh, I, I do know what it feels like to be totally out of control. And uh, fortunately, I've never killed anybody yet. Uh, thank the Lord for that. Uh, but, uh, but I do know some of us, if, if we're not careful, um, that, that's just that one moment, brothers, we could be in a place of real sin real fast. 
And so I'd like to give you some tools of the trade of a Christian man. What does a Christian man do who is going to snap or get angry? Or maybe you're just chronically angry all the time. There's some things that we need to do to change. Number one, if you're jotting it down, study the scriptures and develop a plan. Study the scriptures and develop a plan. Um, So I'm not just saying go home, pray, and read your Bible. I'm actually saying go home and read your Bible. And then when you read your Bible, develop a plan um, of how you're going to deal with your anger according to the scriptures. And I think that, you know, he who who fails to plan, plans to fail. (laughs) It's true. And you got to come up with a game plan uh, to deal with your issues of anger. And, and, uh, and I think the Bible gives us a ton of stuff. You know, the Bible says of itself, Psalm 119, verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, the, the word of God is the light that will lead you out of the darkness of anger. And that's why we, we want to read the word. So surely God's word will instruct us how to overcome anger. Um, and like I mentioned from Matthew chapter 4, Jesus always used the scriptures to uh, battle Satan when he was tempted. Uh, and so the, the word of God, that's a real key. So th- that's part of the deal is you need to come up with a game plan. And I'm going to try to help you with that, some of these other points of what that game plan can look like um, as we get a little further into this. So study the scriptures and develop a plan. That's, that's the first key. Number two, number two, repent and pray. Repent and pray. Uh, one of the things I think that people forget to do is repent. You know you've got a problem, but have you repented? The Bible declares over and over, repent and sin no more. You know, it's, it's like, it's, uh, it means uh, more than just kind of a fancy Christian word that means you're a Christian now. But repentance means you actually are changing your mind about something. And you're going to, because we're going to develop a plan you have to first acknowledge, man, I do have an anger issue. Um, and some of you, it's, it's different levels. Maybe you're not a rager and you're screaming at everybody, but maybe you just live kind of on that angry edge all the time, and you're always kind of snapping at people, and you're always saying stuff. Um, I've seen that here in the congregation. I've watched some of the guys talk to their wives here in the church. I'm just kind of like, wow, uh, I can't imagine what it's like at home. Um, <laughs> By the way, remember the video I showed you? Was it last time uh, with, with the guys the way they were treating their wives? It was kind of a horrible video, but it was a bunch of cool guys in our church acting. Every single one of those examples were things we've seen in the church, things we've actually seen guys do here at Athey Creek. Uh, that's, that's painful. Um, no, I'm not going to expose you uh, and tell everybody who you are. But, but in the same way, I, I do concern myself as a pastor with a, with a group of men, when, we, when I hear even sometimes the way we, we talk to our wives, even here at church, I think, man, God forbid. So what level are you? You have to ask yourself, am I a kind of a rager, angry guy? Um, or am I a guy who just kind of lives with a little bit of an edge all the time? And so we need to repent, change your mind, turn to an about face, and say, I, I've got to fight to go the other direction. Um, and, and a person who is, is not a Christian, if you're not a Christian, before you can do anything, you've got to repent of your sins and be saved. You got to confess Christ and believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Otherwise, all this stuff we're going to talk about is not going to help you. You got to be saved first. Regenerated is a word we use uh, in in the scriptures that talks about new life, justification. You got to become a Christian. Um, By the way, if you're not a Christian, man, make sure you get saved. Uh, Come and talk to me or one of the pastors. There'll be a pastor or two hanging out in the prayer room right after the service today. Uh, If you want to accept Christ, man, we'd love to lead you to have a relationship with Christ. That's where the real help is. 
So, uh, so repentance, you gotta change your mind about, and then you gotta pray. Um, Luke chapter six, verse 27 and 28 says, but I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them who despitefully use you. Pray for them who despitefully, see, here's the thing. Luke's scripture here, and if you didn't get it, it's Luke 6, 27 and 28. One of the things you're to do, the people that make you angry, that are using you or, you know, uh, abusing you or hate you or your enemies, says do good to them and pray for them. I've found in my own life that when I pray, it's really hard to stay angry at someone if I'm praying for them. Oh, it's really hard. The about face here is where it gets really practical, really hard. But like, let's just say there's somebody at work that you're just really angry at and you just really hate them. Um, start praying for them. Pray for their salvation. Pray that the Lord will give you patience with them. Pray that whatever makes them the way they are with you, that the Lord will somehow fix that problem for them. You know, and, and, and it's really hard to stay angry at someone you're praying for and praying about. Um, uh, prayer is the quickest way to stop an argument in marriage. If you and your wife are, are at home arguing about something, um, man, you be the bigger man, because you're the man, um, and grab her by the hand gently, and then say, honey, let's pray. Let's pray about this. And she'll say, I don't want to pray. Honey, I'd like to pray. And before we talk any further, let's pray about this, because I feel like it's getting a little elevated, and we just need to give this to the Lord. So, Lord, and you start praying. Lord, bless our conversation, and give us patience, and forgive us for the things that we've done. Don't, don't pray this one. Um, Lord, forgive my wife. Uh, don't do that. Don't do that. Um, that's between her and the Lord. That's not your... That's not your responsibility. Um, so, so prayer, you know, uh, that's why we say repent and pray. That's kind of an important part. Prayer is a key part of your plan uh, for victory against anger. So study the scriptures, develop a plan. That's number one. Number two, repent and pray. And then number three, discuss the problem with other Christian men. Um, you discuss the problem with other Christian men. That's where these small accountability groups are great man, I'm struggling with anger. I, I just find myself irritable. By the time I get home from work, you know, fighting traffic, uh, working with these people I have to work with all the time, by the time I get home, I find myself more irritable. And guys, I'm struggling. And then, then you guys don't sit there next to them and go, oh, I can't wait to tell my wife how evil you are and how good I am. No. You, you sit with that guy and say, man, let's, let's pray and, and let's, let's remind each other of the scriptures that we covered at Ironworks that Saturday morning. What were some of those things we're supposed to do? And, and review that with each other and kind of, you know, rework the stuff together as brothers. And then, and then send them out with prayer and with encouragement saying, man, we're with you. We're going to be praying for you. And then, and then the, this is, this is a, I've seen this with some of our accountability groups. So you get off at five, you drive in the driveway at 537. I know brothers that will text their friend at 5 36 and say, hey, remember, you're going to walk in the house and be Mr. Joyful, peaceful, love. God bless you. I'm praying for you. Like, that's just great reminder right there. A brother just texting saying, hey, I'm, I'm with you. And man, remember to be Mr. Jolly when you walk in the house. Uh, that's, that's good stuff. Iron sharpening iron. So James 15, or pardon me, James chapter 5 verse 16 says, confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. In other words, you want to have effective prayer? Man, it says confess your sins one to another, that's your small group of brothers, and, and, and then stand with each other and pray for one another, and that, the, the prayer will be effective. 
as you guys pray for one another. This is stuff psychology won't tell you. Psychology won't say, hey man, get, get together and pray. Pray with your brothers and pray for one another. Um, and there's power in prayer. There really is. Too many people diminish that. So discuss the problem with other Christian men. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, uh, there is safety in a multitude of counselors. Very, very key. Number four, avoid hot-tempered people. Did you hear what I just said? Avoid hot-tempered people, especially if you have an anger problem. If you struggle with anger, don't hang around with angry people. Um, I've noticed that anger begets anger. And, and somehow there's a license. The more guys hang around with each other that are angry, it's almost like there's a license to be a jerk. Because he's a jerk, and I'm a jerk, and you're a jerk, so we can all be jerks together. And it's all good somehow. And we have a right to do that. We're men. Ugh. But it's just ugliness. You know, it's, it's, it's like, um, you know, when you, when you start getting people enabling one another to just be worse in their sin. Man, I hope I'm the guy, I, I really do hope for this, um, that I'm, I'm a guy that provokes people to, to do better. I don't want to be the guy that when you hang out with me, I make you feel better about watching dirty movies. I hope I'm the guy that when you hang out with me, I hope you don't feel better about being mean to your wife. I hope that when you hang out with me that you want to read your Bible maybe a little bit more or, or, or you feel like maybe I should do a little more praying or, or whatever it is. I, I, I've just noticed in my life there are men who pro, uh, provoke me to do good things and make me really want to get closer to the Lord and draw nearer and be truer to the Lord. And then there's men that I hang out with and they, they draw me to away from the Lord and to, they, they give me license to feel okay about doing that which is uh, really contrary to what the Bible teaches. And it's ever so subtle. And this group over here, a bunch of Christian guys, but they just love being together because, well, we can, we can sin together and it's all okay because we're doing it together. It's called group numbing, by the way. You can numb one another. And you know, the, 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 Paul told Timothy, watch out in the last days, there's gonna be a bunch of people who are gonna have their conscience seared as with a hot iron. Your conscience is the part that knows stuff is wrong, but in the last days, that's gonna be seared. You're not even gonna have any feeling there anymore. Why? Because you're just hanging out with everybody else. By the way, uh, psychology has looked at may lie. Uh, does anybody know what may lie was? It's one of the more infamous situations in Vietnam where, you know, remember all the reputation of the, you know, I think uh, a horrible situation where our soldiers were accused of killing children and going into villages and, you know, doing all this horrible stuff. And, and I know that that did happen. Uh, I'm, I'm saddened to think that all the soldiers came back with sort of this bad reputation. And, um, but even the ones that were in those situations, the psychology of it was really interesting because, you know, we're, we weren't really up on post-traumatic stress at that point. We didn't really understand how all that worked out. And we also didn't understand that after so long of being in a situation of just total craziness, um, to expect, you know, people to think rationally, and then along with that, group numbing. That was one of the things that they determined at Melai was because um, they saw somebody else doing something, the army kind of, the, the, the soldiers there felt like they should do it too, like that was the right thing to do. Many of them thought, this is what, we're just following orders, we're doing what we're told, and, and, and then they, they'd come back and look at it differently and say, wow, how did we ever think that? Um, I think that's the same thing that happens to all of us. 
We all think that, oh, we can do that, and it's okay to go there and see that stuff and watch that stuff and listen to that stuff and drink that stuff and take that stuff. It's like we do all this stuff because everybody else is doing it. Wouldn't it be great if God's church got back to provoking one another to love and good works? That's what Hebrews tells us to do. So if, if you're an angry man, don't hang around with angry men. You'll just license one another to being angry together. Find men that are peaceful and calm and then learn and study how they act and what they do. Grow from other guys, iron sharpening iron. Um, what is the scripture for that? Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25. It says, make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man, do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. What does the Bible say? If you hang out with an angry guy, you're setting a trap, a snare for your own soul. So you say, well, Brad, that's kind of a joke. Don't hang around with angry guys. No, that's scripture. That's what the Bible says. So associated with people who practice sin tempts you to participate in sin. Um, and so I would, if I were you, uh, associate, hang out with guys who've overcome sin, who are going to help you have victory. What are we on? Number five? Number five, think before you speak or act. When it comes to anger, one of the biggest problems is we're not thinking. You got to have your game face on. You got to be thinking through it when you uh, are most prone to being anger with the people who you're most prone to being angry with. You've got to put a guard over your mouth and over your mind and really think it through. And here's the scripture, James chapter 1, verse 19 says, be slow to speak. And then it says, slow to wrath. Remember those verses, man. James chapter 1, verse 19, be slow to speak and slow to wrath. Now again, this is people saying, oh, people can't just do that. You can't just be slow to wrath. Well, the Bible says you can the Bible says you can put off anger, says you can put away anger, and it says you can learn to be slow to anger. That's what you got to do. Proverbs 29, 20. It says, do you see a, a man hasty in his words? There is, no, there is more hope for a fool than for him. <laughs> Boy, Solomon doesn't pull any punches, does he? Do you see a man who's hasty in his words? There's more hope for a fool than for the guy who's hasty in his words. Proverbs 15, 28. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. You know, um, some of us are just good at pouring forth evil with our mouths, and we gotta really put a guard there and say, man, I'm gonna only speak that which is edifying, encouraging, and building up. Put a guard over your mouth. Have you ever uh, had a moment of, of, of clarity where you something came to your attention about something. And then once it really came to your attention, it's amazing how much that came up. And you're like, wow, I can't believe how much. Um, for example, this will ruin you because I ruined you years ago and I still have guys come and say, right, you should have never told us this. But um, studies have shown that 95% of the time when somebody says they're just kidding, they're not. 95% of the time. It's like there's a tiny percentage where they're like, yeah, we're just kidding. I think you're ugly. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> that means he really thinks you're ugly. <laughs> um, now, now, with that statistic, um, now you're going to notice it all the time. When people say, oh, man, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. You're like, yeah, but you're really telling the truth. <laughs> it's going to mess you up now. 
But you see, that's the kind of thing I hope that this does. As, as you start to put a guard over your mouth and you say, man, every time I speak something that's harsh or coarse against my wife or against my kids or against my coworkers or whatever, I, I'm gonna really try to recognize, wow, that's, that's just ugliness coming out right now. And I'm gonna change that. I'm gonna put a guard over my mouth and actually be cognizant of what I'm saying. Most of the times when we say mean-spirited, ugly things, it's just because we're not thinking about it. Bible says, start thinking about it. The heart of the righteous man studies how to answer. Um, the, you say, Brett, if I have to answer and study, then I'm, I'm not going to talk very much. Good. Perfect. Answer to prayer. Uh, so force yourself to analyze each situation. Consider the consequences of what you're going to say. What, what, what I'm about to say, is this going to make my wife happy? or is it going to make her sad? Is it going to build her up, or is it purposefully going to tear her down? And man, if it's going to tear her down, just be slow to speak, and don't say it. Put a guard on your mouth. Um, You know, um, Abraham Lincoln's uh, Secretary of War, Edwin Stanton, was angered by an army officer who accused him of favoritism. And Stanton came and complained to Abraham Lincoln, and uh, Lincoln suggested that Stanton would write a a letter. He said, let him have it, Lincoln said. Just tell him what you really think. So Stanton went back and wrote this searing letter, just brutal, ripping this guy apart. And then he came and ran the letter by Lincoln, and Lincoln read it, "Mm -hmm." Uh, shook his head. And he says, well, should I send it? And And Lincoln said, send it. He shook his head, you don't want to send that letter. He said, put it in the stove. That's what I do when I've written a letter while I'm angry. It's a good letter, and you've taken a good time writing it, and you feel better. But now burn it, and then write another. That's what he told him. Burn it, and write another. I I like that. I've actually actually employed that, uh, where I've just written out what I'm feeling about stuff, and I'll even write in a form of letter with with a little thing in the back of my mind. I might even send this. But then, uh, fortunately, I have people around me say, no, you don't want to send that. Uh, burn that one. And, and you say, well, Brett, how could you just burn it? Well, this is where we're going to get to the main issue of forgiveness and the grace of God and the cross of Jesus Christ. We'll talk about that in a second. So, think before you speak or act. That's very important. Number six, a couple more. Work to solve the problem that angered you. Work to solve the problem that angered you. Instead of attacking the problem, we often attack the person. This is a fundamental error. What's the scripture for that? Well, it's really easy. Um, The problem is not the person. The Bible tells us you and I, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's people. That's not the problem. People are not the problem. It's against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places or in dark places. The idea is evil, demonic, satanic, ugly stuff. Yeah, but Brett, my wife said this and she did that. But the issue is not your flesh and blood wife. There's other issues. What, you have to get to the issue. What's making that situation with your wife uncomfortable? And why, what's, what's behind the thing that's making you angry? Um, I, one of the things we're called to do is to sort of, you know, work it out. Work out the problem. Don't pound the person. Don't get angry at the person. Work out the problem. Not always doable. Not always. I'll give it to you. But um, the Bible in- indicates we're supposed to kind of make a, a go of it. In fact, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, this is one of those ones you've got to remember, and many of you do. Ephesians 4, 26 says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Um, 
And the idea is you got to work it out before the sun goes down. Now, by the way, this is a freebie for you guys that are married. Some people stay up till three in the morning because of this verse. And they scream at each other all night long. Because we're not going to let the sun go down. The sun went down hours ago. It's too late. Um, let's be real about this. See, I have a, a, a thing uh, that Debbie and I have kind of learned, and we really do enjoy this because there's times, now I, I have to say I'm really blessed with an amazing wife, and uh, Debbie and I have been married 30 years, and um, I, I'm just, I truly was blessed with the greatest woman ever, and she is so patient with me, it's incredible. Uh, if you guys really knew me, you'd, you'd leave the church. Uh, I, I'm surprised Debbie even uh, wants to stay with me at all. Uh, but she's so good. And, and, but one of the things I'm really thankful is we, we've got kind of a pact between ourselves of several things. Um, one of those things is we've, we've said we're, we're married forever. And that's just not going to change, no matter what. So if we're mad at each other today, how long do we want to drag out this trouble uh, when we're going to be married for the rest of our lives, why not just nip it in the bud early? Well, let's just get rid of this ugliness now so that we can start enjoying the rest of our lives. Why waste time? Like, we've got this thing together where we're like, let's resolve these issues as quickly as possible whenever we bump into something. Now, by the way, when we were first married, we had a few more bumps than we do now. Uh, after 30 years and you get to know somebody, it's like uh, the Lord really blesses that. And uh, it gets easier as time goes by. And we don't have to employ these things as often as we did when we were first married. But um, one of the rules we made early in our marriage was, um, man, if we're mad at each other for some reason, we're not going to let the sun go down in our anger. Now, that means when the sun goes down, no more talking about that. Yeah, but what if you didn't resolve the issue? Big deal. I still love her. We're still married for the rest of our lives. I still can have fun. And we can, we, what we do is we'll put away the issue. Whatever the issue is that's causing the anger, we'll put away the issue until another time. We'll let the sun go down and we'll say, honey, I love you and uh, you love me. And let's drop this subject until, and, and oftentimes this is important guys, especially guys, to set a time when you're gonna talk about it again and then really stick to that. Uh, your wife won't believe you if you just say, we'll talk about it next Saturday, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, <laughs> but you don't really talk about it Saturday. But you know, when I have a day off, I'm gonna sit, we'll, we'll sit down, we'll make some Cheerios, and we'll sit there and we'll talk out our issue on Saturday morning, okay. And if she knows that I'm gonna really do that, she can let the issue go, I can let the issue go, and we can, we can have a nice evening, just being together. And then what happens after that evening's over and Saturday rolls around, either the issue is just, we're laughing at how stupid we were because the issue was worthless, or we're, thinking through it a little more, and we actually have a, a, a better solution by the time we actually sit down and talk about it on Saturday morning. And usually it's me saying, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And that's always a good solution. Um, so that, that's something that you need to understand, guys, is, is don't let the sun go down in your anger. It doesn't mean you have to fight it out till three in the morning. It means let the issue go for another time and just choose to love one another. And that's true in a lot of ways. So, um, that's one of the things. Also, Ephesians 4, uh, 26 uh, and 29, it says, be angry, and, but sin not. Speak what is good for necess and necessary for edification. Um, these are the things the Bible says to t teach us to work out the problem, uh, solve the problem. It's not the person that you're working, it's the problem itself. Number seven, apologize to those you have hurt. Um, now, this this 
depends on how, what level you've been at in hurting people and anger. If you've just made a few mistakes here and there, it might be good for you to come home today and say, man, Brad was talking about some stuff. We we're in the Word, and I realize that I probably don't talk to you, honey, the way I really should. Or, you know, whatever, I, just say I was wrong, and I'm really sorry, and I'm going to do my best to work, uh, work these things out and, and um, appreciate your help and your prayer. And, and just talk to your wife about it. You know, apologizing. Uh, I was wrong. You know, that, that's something that the Bible teaches that we can do is, is seek forgiveness, you know, of others. And let, let your wife or the person you've been angry at uh, have a chance to forgive you. That's an important thing. Um, by the way, if everyone who needs to do this in the world today, uh, I think there'd be many families, church members, friends, neighbors, they'd be reconciled right now. Now, I know some, some of it, though, it's so deep-seated, it might not just be an apology that's needed. For some of you guys, if you've been mean for a long, long time, you coming home and saying, I'm sorry, will just be a joke. Well, but that's not very nice of her to see it as a joke. Yeah, but it has to do with something that I call a track record. You need a track record. Some of you guys maybe have been kind of abusive with your words for so long that you can say you're sorry to your blue in the face, but your wife's not really going to believe it because she's heard it all before. And so what you got to do is start having a track record where she can actually realize, wow, it's been like three days since he said something mean to me. And she'll start to notice, but it's going to take you working hard for a long, long time, not just for three days, but for the rest of your life to be a guy who's speaking softly and kindly and words of edification, not tearing down. Um, man, we got to turn that ship around, that, 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 the sin of when we move into anger and harsh words and, and stuff like that. So apology is important, but it may not be what the doctor ordered in your case, depending on your situation. It might need real repentance, confession to the Lord like we talked about, and you coming up with a literal game plan of how am I going to deal with this issue that's become really hard. Um, uh, here's another one, number eight. Replace anger with something good. Instead of being angry, what are you going to do? Fill in the blank. For, for each one of you, that might be a different thing. You know, um, Romans 12, 21 gives good advice. Do not let yourself be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The, the word overcome uh, is also sometimes translated, I think in some of the newer translations, as mastered. So don't be mastered by evil, but master evil with good. And mastering speaks of discipline and work and, and actually, you know, coming, coming to be an expert on something. Very, very key. Well, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Um, those are just some of the tips. We could talk a lot about this. Um, you know, there, um, Sergeant Lopez, great guy in our church. I love Jeff, good man. Uh, he counsels people. He's got a degree in counseling and, and uh, post-traumatic stress and, and is, has been in the military for many, many years uh, working with our soldiers. And just a really great guy. I love Jeff Lopez. And he sent me a bunch of stuff. He, he uh, works with people on anger. And I, I thought a lot of it was really, really good. But, um, you know, um, one of the things that I appreciate is when, when, a, when a guy starts to recognize the cues um, to anger. And let me just share some of the things he was talking about. You know, the physical, behavior, emotional, cognitive thoughts that are in your head. There's cues that you should know about about yourself. To w when you really know, there you are, Jeff, I see you. Um, to know when, when those things are, are starting to happen. I think, you know, a lot of times we catch them far too late. And, uh, 
And if you can start to recognize the early signs, whether it's your heartbeat going up, you want to know what the, this is embarrassing because the Lord said, Brad, I'm going to let everybody know when you're mad because your face turns purple. Uh, like I, I turn red on a dime, you know, it's like even if I say something in church that I'm embarrassed about, I was like, uh, and then people are like, ha oh, does red go with purple and stuff like that. Um, uh, you know, tightness of chest, feeling hot or flushed, uh, headache, neck pain even. There's things like that that when a person's tensing up and starting to be, get angry, there's things you can notice in your own physical body, behavioral, you know, things like pacing or clenching your fists. Like, what do you do? What's your, what's your thing? Raising your voice. Uh, that's something almost all of us do. When you start getting angry, you start raising your voice um, or changing your voice or cursing. Uh, I've noticed men start cursing when they get angry pretty, pretty badly. Um, you know, all kinds of things. Throwing your arms around. I've seen guys do that. Uh, I, it's always interesting at church. I'll see couples talking, and then pretty soon you see the body thing change, and they're, they're starting to throw the hands. It's like, uh-oh, we got trouble. Uh, call the deacons, you know. Uh, always a tricky thing. Um, but some of, the, some of the thing is, and, and this is something that might be helpful, is when you recognize those, those things starting to stir up in your, in your physical behavior, emotional, you know, whether you're feeling guilt or angry or loneliness, whatever those things happen that trigger kind of an angry thing, is for you to have somewhere to, to, to go and to, like I was talking about Romans where it says, don't over, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Have a go-to thing or a list of things that you can do. Uh, when the Bible says overcome evil with good, what are we talking about there? Um, well, let me give you a few things. Avoid the conversa- conver- confrontation. Um, distract yourself with something else. Um, you know, one of the best ways to, to distract is to couple some of the things we've talked about. It's hard to recite a memory verse and be angry at the same time. Most of us can't walk and chew gum at the same time. A lot of us can't be angry and recite Bible at the same time. I'm really mad. Ah. God will keep me in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. Did I just quote scripture and be angry? I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm going to be angry. No. Scripture, man. Start. Do you have that scripture? You know, speak to it. Distract yourself. Um, or give up and do it the, the way they want to do it. Whatever you're arguing about. Most of the time we spend five, five bucks on a five cent argument. Uh, just give in. Whatever. Let them have their way. Uh, you know, uh, couples get so mad at things that are just so small, and we get angry about stuff that just doesn't even matter. Um, and uh, I, hope, I hope you just are willing to just give up. That's what Jesus did. He just let them, ha- let them do what they were going to do, and he didn't defend himself. He could have blown their heads off. By the way, speaking of blowing heads off, I've been fighting these moles at my house. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, I got these really nice traps that Bear gave me, and uh, I've been using them, and, and I've caught a couple. But these things are smart, man. All my traps are set out there, and they're just unmoved. They dig around them, you know. It's like, um, so I went home the other afternoon, and there was dirt flying. I, I could actually see the pile of dirt going. And so I went and got my 12-gauge. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it works. I saw it on YouTube once. I'm like, it works, man. It's great. I, it leaves a huge crater in the ground. It was kind of funny. I don't know if my neighbors appreciated it, but I quickly ran back into the house and, and then came out with like a shovel and they were like, uh, what was that? I don't know. Did you hear something? <laughs> uh, anyway, Mossberg does the trick. Anyway, uh, other strategies, 
when you feel your blood pressure rising or your uh, emotions stirring, whatever, maybe just to keep your mouth shut. Maybe that's your, your go-to. I'm just going to close my mouth. That's better than opening your mouth and letting them have it. That's a step in the right direction, at least. Um, there's all the all other things you can do, scripture. You can, you can say, hey, you know what? I, I just kind of need a moment right now. Um, now, that's different than storming out of a room and, and not letting them know what your intentions are. I'm leaving forever. No. You say, you know what? I just kind of need a moment and for you to step outside. And, and that's where you step outside, recite a scripture in your heart, say a prayer, Lord, I need patience. I need to have you change my angry heart. And just calm down, take a breath, then go back in and try again. Uh, I think taking a moment is a good, it's like when you're a little kid, it's a timeout. It's like what I needed when I went on the school bus on that uh, youth group trip. Um, you know, there's other things you can do. Uh, I, I, you know, I, even though I'm kind of out of shape, I still love lifting weights. There's something about lifting weights I've always loved, and I used to compete a little bit in powerlifting. And um, there was something about just going and doing a hard workout. You just feel peaceful more peaceful after working out. I think that's one thing that is kind of true. So instead of being angry, just go put in a good workout somewhere. That, that's a good thing. Uh, you can talk to your, your accountability partners. You can pray, pray to the Lord. You can call your friends on the phone. You can, uh, you know, identify whatever the problem is. There's all kinds of things you can do. Now, let me end with this. Um, like the pornography problem that we were talking about a few months ago, um, I see different tiers, different levels, and this is how I'm going to end this. Um, level one, you, you get angry once in a while. You speak a little bit harshly to your wife. Man, this, this is where you get your accountability buddies and you, you pray. And maybe on a Sunday night, ask for prayer from the elders. And uh, it's kind of a casual, but you're, you're coming up with the first point. Read your word and come up with a plan. That's good. Level two, you um, have become sort of angry all the time. And everybody around you knows it, and you're starting to know it. And uh, your wife is literally nervous sometimes because you get so upset. You've never hit her, but you're, you're so upset and angry uh, that she's probably a little nervous. Whether you know it or not, you haven't thought about it, she's, she's troubled or, or whatever. That's level two. And I would say, man, you need to just recognize that you've got an issue. And that's where I would recommend that you come in and meet with one of our pastors. Call up Pastor Mike or Jason or Gordy or one of the guys say, man, I, I need to spend some time just talking through some of this stuff with, with one of the pastors. Um, level three, you've become kind of a, really just generally abusive. And you're going to be the last one to really know this. But if, if somebody's saying you're abusive, if somebody's called you abusive, the chances are you are abusive. Um, and, um, and you need to recognize you've got a, a serious issue. Again, I would say come in, talk to one of the pastors. And we might work with you. There's been a few cases where we've sent guys to literal anger management uh, classes. And, and, you know, I might refer guys to Jeff, Sergeant Jeff Lopez and say, man, J Jeff, we got, a, we got a bad one here, man. This guy's a fighter. He's a fighter. Uh, let's get this guy some help. Uh, and, uh, and, and we'll send some, some uh, people in, in that direction where they really need some help. Uh, and uh, do it, do that before you, you really do something or, or ruin something like your marriage. And a lot of guys, they, they, they don't recognize that it's far too late by the time they get to that place where they really should have gone in and, and met with a pastor, should have just, you know, humbled themselves, say, I know I got an issue, and, and just say, I'm going to get some help from, from one of the pastors. Well, what are the pastors going to do? The pastors don't have the power 
but God does. And the pastors know where to point you. They got some scriptures they can share with you. They can pray with you. And they can also recognize from, you know, talking to you what level of help you might need. And, and, and let them kind of steer that. We're not trying to control any of you guys. Um, but if, if you're saying, obviously, I'm, I'm not doing well. Obviously, I'm not having victory in this area. That's where having somebody say, let me look at your life, look at where you're at, what you're doing, and here's what we think you should do. That's really what the pastors at Athey do. We never tell you what to do, but if you're asking, we'll tell you, and here's what we think, and then you, it's up to you whether you're gonna be obedient to submit yourself to someone else and say, okay, I'm, even though I don't feel like I'm angry, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna listen to what you guys say, and I'm gonna do what you tell me to do. Man, we need to be in prayer the, the Athey Creek, I, I, I want Athey Creek to become the church that is known, famous, far and wide for being the place where men treat their wives better than any women on the planet. Wouldn't that be great? If Athey Creek becomes the place where women go, man, go to Athey Creek, your, your husband will change. He'll be an amazingly kind, gentle, godly man who protects his wife and protects his family and treats her like a princess and, and cares for his family in a godly way. That's what I, I really pray for. Um, Lord, I do ask that you'd give us wisdom in these things. I pray that you would bless, um, Lord, all these guys with, with clarity of, of what, what level we all are, Lord. I pray that if we're solid and there's no problem at all, help us to be guys that are um, helping one another and, and giving other guys tools to be victorious. For some of us, Lord, that are just on that first level of anger, Lord, I pray that you just use this time to have us reconsider and to come up with a game plan of what we're going to do when we find ourselves being edgy or, or irritated. Lord, help us to, to fight against that and to resist the devil. And, and Lord, you say he will flee from us if we resist. Lord, I pray blessing on this church and, and our wives. I pray that they'd be cared for and loved on. Lord, the, the narratives that might be out there about what Christians think about divorce and abuse and all that, Lord, I pray that all that just would be put away and that instead that we'd be people who just have hunger and a thirst after righteousness. So bless these, your people, Lord, as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand together.